This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights Week 8 Preview here with you tonight. We are going to break down pretty much every good game and some that are a little bit under the radar, uh, but there are some behemoth of games. The Big Ten feels like it's finally getting started this week with Penn State and Ohio State taking on each other. So let's jump into it. Before we do that, I need to introduce my co-hosts. I'm Madison. I'm joined as always. First up, my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Doing very well. Looking forward to diving in tonight. Um, yeah, feels it feels kind of like uh, it feels like it's a big weekend. A lot on the line. We're gonna know. We're, we're gonna we're gonna find out some things this weekend regarding the Big Ten. Um, you see what Michigan or excuse me, what Ohio State and Penn State are made of, and and if they have the class to stand up with with the likes of Michigan. Um, and as always, uh, excited to uh, to watch that third Saturday in October. Um, see what might happen after last year's uh, craziness and shenanigans. See if uh, we're in store for that or, you know, maybe it's kind of an ugly, nasty game. Anything could happen in that one. I've learned never to trust a big robbery like that. And fresh off of or back, I should say, returning back from uh, what is it? Inner? What is it? Some kind of softball thing for old people. It's my other brother, Hank. Hank, how are you? I'm good. Not old people. Um, I mean, co-ed softball where we absolutely suck. So not worth it, I guess. I, I guess in the end of it, some of those, uh, no offense that some of those girls have not ever seen a softball or a bat before. So uh, the, us guys were having to carry the weight, but yeah, I'm glad to be back. I'd much rather be here talking football with you guys. Some, some big games this week as Pearson, you alluded to. So excited to break them down. Yeah. Um, Listen, don't blame the girlies. That is really just a drinking league, I bet. Um, that's what I've always – I've always been – listen, I'm well past my prime of playing sports. So anytime I've had to join something like that, kickball seems to be the the popular one here in Atlanta. It's really just for the drinks afterwards, let's be honest here. Um, all right. Well, if you guys are ready, we've got a pretty loaded slate to jump in. It feels weird. We always do things chronologically here at Bragg and Rights. But it feels weird to be previewing the biggest game of the weekend first. But let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. Give the people what they want. It is, in fact, the number seven Penn State Nittany Lions and the number three Ohio State Buckeyes in the shoe at noon Eastern time on Fox. Wish this one was a night game, but that is the the world you get with uh, Fox and CBS running the program. You get the early games and you get the afternoon games and sometimes the night games just lack a little bit of that luster. Um This one is going to set the tone for how that Big Ten East is going to go. Of course, the Big Ten and the SEC, I believe, are still the the only two Power Five conferences that are still doing divisions. So we're going to have to see how the rubble all lands at the end of the round robin of Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Because it feels like not only is probably the Big Ten going to come down to that round robin, but probably who gets in the, uh, the playoffs there's a chance they cannibalize each other. I highly doubt that happens, but we'll see. Um, Penn State is kind of under the radar as far as the, the three go. They're playing very well. Um, but 
a lot of people are thinking it's going to come down to Ohio State and Michigan. It has historically, right? I think I think that Penn State's lost nine of the last 11 or something versus Ohio State. I can't remember exactly. Um, okay, here we go. Ohio State has won the last six games in the series. Uh, the last time the Nittany Lions was 2016, and it was their only appearance in the Big Ten Championship so far under Coach Franklin. That was their first one of the series since 2011. So it has been absolutely dominated by the Buckeyes. Like I said, it is in the shoe. So they're going to be dotting the eye and absolutely feeling themselves. Ohio State's not necessarily the Ohio State of past, but I'll let you guys break that down. Um, Ohio State is favored four and a half points at home. We'll start with Hank. As always, Hank, who you got in this behemoth matchup? I've gone back and forth with this one as I'm looking at it. Um, I'm going to go with Penn State to cover the four and a half that we're picking it out here. Uh, I know it's in uh, Ohio Stadium there, um, and it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a lower scoring affair than than in past. Um, I think you know Ohio State's defense has proven to be better um, than maybe some thought, and and their but their offense kind of lacks. Um, they, they can have those explosive, explosive plays, but, you know, lacks consistency, um, both first, I'm not wrong. First year starters, Alar is a first year starter as well. So I think, I think this is going to be a more defensive game. I think it's kind of one of those low scoring twenties, maybe even first, first one to 20 wins. So I think, I think Penn state will keep it close and, um, stay within the number, but this is going to be a close one. I think it could go either way in terms of who wins. But uh, to give me a Penn State to cover. Hank has the Penn State and the Lions to cover. Are you going to sprinkle anything money line there or just to cover the points? I haven't yet, but uh, we'll see how things play out. I got to do a little more research and see what see where the lines go and everything. But there may be a little bit of a sprinkle. Might be a little bit of a sprinkle. Something tells me when we did our preseason previews, Pierce was very, very high on the Nittany Lions comparatively. So we'll see what uh, what he does here. Who you got in this one, Pierce? Well, I'm going to try to do this in a timely fashion because I will say the one uh, byproduct of doing this on Thursday night is I've already listened to so much and consumed so much, so many things about a lot of these big games that I could talk for hours about it. Um, But I digress. Listen, there's a lot of angles to look at here. Um, When you look at Penn State, Penn State's offense has been very dink or dunk. They haven't been able to run the ball as well as they have they did last year and as well as we thought they would coming into the season. Um, the offensive lines, what I think was surprises me the most with Penn state, they have not been the world beaters that we thought they were going to be. Drew Alars kind of had to run around and, and just create plays on his own, um, and, and get out of trouble. And, and even then it's a lot of dinking and dunking. Um, I think defensively Penn state's got some dudes kind of alluding to what Hank said about being a lower scoring affair. I think both of these defenses are very, very good. Um, so I think they'll probably be the dominant sides for both teams. Um, the big question for me is does Penn state open this up? Have they been saving things? Um, you know, on the flip side, Ohio State hasn't been world beaters offensively either. Um, and it seems like McCord's taken some time to get, get going and get, get, you know, pumped up for the game. It's almost like he needs to take that first shot like a boxer does uh, in order to kind of get his head in the, in the, um, in the game. I, 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 I've been trying to find a way to, to pick Penn state and I just can't do it. The one angle that I kept coming back to was maybe Penn state. If you look at uh, Franklin's record with Penn state, he's not very good in the big games. However, 
He's pretty good in the big games at covering the spread. So could this be a three-point win from from Ohio State and, and a cover for Penn State? Sure. Uh, probably a high likelihood. I think this number's in a good spot. But I, I think Ohio State just has the guys. And, and, and if I'm having to force that type of stat to take Penn State, I should just stick with my gut and go Ohio State here. They're at home. They've got the better defense. They've got the most dominant side of that of the ball with it, their defense being as stout as it is. Um, and I think that uh, one thing to watch is Amika Ekbuka. If he can't play, that's going to be interesting because then they have to play some some true freshmen who are very good. But you know, can you expect them to to have like a 150 yard performance like Ekbuka can can pop it sometimes? I, I don't think you can. Um, but I think Ohio State edges this one out in in a close game i'm going to take them to cover um because i do think that they have uh, the slightly better offensive side of the ball too um but if penn state allows a to, to 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 let it loose and and go downfield more if they've got that capability then we may be seeing an upset here i i just don't know if i see it uh, against this stout defense in ohio state Ohio State does have a pretty good defense, Pierce. You are right about that. I am going to be on the Nittany Lions, though, because they have a pretty stout defense as well. Now, here's the thing. I understand Penn State's not played anybody. Ohio State does have the best win of these two teams uh, when they went on the road and beat Notre Dame, but I'm not sure if they play that game again if that happens. I'm just really not. I think that they put out their best best um, effort in that win. Um, and I think that Notre Dame made some boneheaded mistakes at the end. Um, Ohio state banged up. That seems to be the, the name of the game for them the past couple of years. But if you remember correctly, this game was, a I think it was like 44 31 last year in happy Valley, but it was two interceptions, two key interceptions, um, for Sean Clifford that kind of swayed the game towards Ohio state. I think you can flip that on its head this week. I think that Penn state, is going to have a defensive turnover or two. It's going to allow them to upset the Ohio State Buckeyes. I think Penn State gets its win in the round robin. I wouldn't be surprised if they all split, to be honest with you. Um, But I think that this is Penn State's year. It just feels like a lot of the narrative and everything has been kind of this whole, like, well, Penn State hasn't done it in so long, so long, so long. It feels like finally the levy is going to break. I have the Nittany Lions in this one, and I, I, I would take them outright. That's what I would say there. Um, But I think they definitely cover for sure. Um, All right. Let's take it on over to the Big Ten West. A lot less of a bigger, of a a, a high stakes game. I'll say it that way. Uh, But Iowa is ranked. So let's talk about it. The Minnesota Golden Gophers going into Ames to take on the number 24 Iowa. I'm sorry, Iowa City. Why did I say Ames? Um, That would be Iowa State. Um, The Iowa Hawkeyes. This game is at 3.30 Eastern time on NBC. Iowa favored in this one by three and a half. They have been having woeful numbers on offense, but who's surprised at this point? Um, They are statistically the uh, least, what is it? Statistically lowest ranked offense in the nation. Um, This one is played for a trophy. Fun fact, boys. Uh, I bet you don't know the name of the trophy. It is the Floyd of Rosedale bronze pig. pig. It's 98 pounds. It's a bronze pig. Uh, It has been in Iowa City for almost 3,000 days uh, because they've won it for eight straight years. So maybe a little bit of a, you know, maybe Minnesota really wants to have that bronze pig on the plane ride back home. I'm sorry, bus ride back home. Not sure. Minnesota, of course, off last week after a loss to Michigan. They have two other losses on the season so far, uh, both on the road, UNC, and then an overtime match at uh, Northwestern. Iowa has one loss. It was at Penn State. but. Whoa, 
whoa, whoa, that offense scares the hell out of me. So we'll start with Hank. Do you think Iowa turns it around here and finally puts up some points and covers that three and a half? Or do you think it's a low scoring Minnesota covering type game? This one's weird to me. I, I'm going to go with Iowa just because that number is pretty low. And I think they can maybe get it done there maybe by six points or so. I don't think it's obviously going to be more than a touchdown. Um, but being at home, playing for the – was it the bronze pig? Maybe that's some extra motivation Holy there. the Rosedale Trophy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe that's a big one for him. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think their offense – had one week of, of promise. And of course that's the week that I bet the under. Um, but since then, I think last week they, they threw for like 37 yards or something like that. There was something ridiculous, but, and, and I, I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that they've just been, they've been getting out gained offensively. It's just obviously their defense that's holding them up. But I think at a low, lower than six number there, um, we're picking at three and a half. Um, at home, I'm going to give Iowa the edge there. I forgot to mention Cade McNamara is out. So Deacon Hill is the quarterback there for the Hawkeyes. Um, did he play last week? He he did yes. play last week. He was. That's why. Okay. I didn't watch the game. But. For 262 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions oh. since taking over <clears throat> for Cade McNamara. Okay. But. Well, because Minnesota. I'd kind of forgotten about that, but I still, I mean. It all applies. I think. I don't. I don't. I think they get it done. All right, Pierce. What about you? Oh, this is such an ugly game, man. Um, I, I really, uh, really. I, this. Let me just put it this way: this one will not be on my TV screen because I don't know if I want to peel my eyes out of their sockets um, on Saturday. But I'm going to go with Minnesota Golden Gophers in this one. Um, listen, that spread at 32 means that this is going to be a low-scoring affair. I, I cannot see this spread, this total going over that number. Um, it was just announced this week, by the way, that the only, truly the only offensive weapon for Iowa, Eric All, the tight end, is out for the season with an ACL. So they just lost their biggest weapon by a large margin. Um, and, and the only thing that scares me about taking the Gophers is could this be one of those games where Iowa has like two pick sixes and wins like 24 to seven? Certainly it's on the table. Uh, uh, Minnesota doesn't have the greatest defense, but Iowa's not going to put up many points offensively. In my opinion, I think they're going to scrap, you know, uh, Minnesota is going to be able to put up, you know, 10 points. I, I see this being like a 13, 10, 17, 14 type of game. Um, barring, like I said, that my one worry is the defensive touchdowns for Iowa. Um, keep in mind, Iowa does have their buy next week. This could be a little bit of a spot where I was looking, oh boy, we, we, you know, we could escape this, these seven games, these seven weeks with just one loss to Penn state. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to a couple weeks off. They're pretty injury, injury riddled right now. Um, so I, I think this is one where Minnesota might sneak up on, on Iowa. And as long as they don't, uh, don't allow to, don't have too many turnovers, in particular turnovers for touchdown, uh, I think Minnesota covers this small spread. Small spread, terrible. I won't be taking them to win, though. Okay, fair. Uh, Small small spread, terrible offenses, defenses that are – Okay, but like it's it's going to be absolutely. I mean, if you if you watched any of the Iowa Wisconsin game last week, fifteen to six, it's going to feel like that type of game. Um, I think the extra bit of rest that Minnesota's coming off of does also interest me. To your point, Pierce, you've got Iowa potentially banged up, ready to get to that bye. You've got Minnesota coming off of that bye um, and ready to get towards the back half of their schedule. So that does add an interesting wrinkle. Um, 
but God, Minnesota is so bad. Minnesota is so bad. They've gone on the road twice. Like I said, both of those games were losses. Um, at UNC, excusable. At Northwestern and have to go to overtime and you lose, not excusable. Um, I'm going to take Iowa in this one. I don't like it, but it's such a small spread. Um, I think that they're going to be able to just kind of get up a little bit and run the timeout. It's going to be one of those that, to me, I feel like you look at it in the middle of the second quarter, it's 10-7. No, not 10-7 because that wouldn't be covering. It's <laughs> it's 13-7. And then not, nobody scores the rest of the game. Like, I could see that kind of game. So I'm going to take Iowa in this one, like I said. The extra bit of rest scares me a little bit for Minnesota. Um, but I just think three and a half points at home. They they're, they don't cover points like – they don't cover spreads like seven, but they can cover three and a half point spread. So give me the Hawkeyes in that one. All right, let's flip over to ABC, 3.30 Eastern time. The Washington State Cougars in Eugene to take on the number nine Oregon Ducks. Oregon fresh off their first loss of the season at Washington last week. A lot of that kind of came down to some questionable game choices. Uh, and, and Dan Lanning has, you know, spoke about that extensively. So we'll see what they do here. This is put up or shut up time. You either come back from something like this or you continue to reel and you just end up kind of not folding the season, but but things can happen. Uh, I don't think anybody's picking Oregon to lose this one, though. Um, like I said, it is at home. They are, though, 19.5-point favorites when Wazoo comes to town. Wazoo itself is coming coming off of two straight losses at UCLA, which is excusable, but uh, you can't lose 44-6 to versus Arizona at home. So we'll see what they do and what their identity is with this one. Um, Hank, take it away. You know, I'm, I was surprised at Washington's game last week. That was very, very, very surprising. Um, I didn't have anything on it, but just looking back at that score, I was—I I didn't see it. I, I wasn't watching the game, but just seeing that score was very surprising. But either way, Oregon has yet to uh, to lose a spread. They've covered every spread, including their big ones. Um, they put well. They pushed last week, I guess, but a push is a win in my book. So. I, I like Oregon coming off that loss, a little salty there, maybe maybe some uh, different decisions, and they come out with a, a possible win there. So I think that they're going to come out a little fired up, um, and they're going to want to take it to Washington. I think, you know, they're just – I think they'll overmatch um, Washington State in both offense and defense there. So I think, I think at home – the fact that they've been been good against the spread and kind of coming in a little hot from last week, I think that they're getting it done at that 19.5. I think they win by three three touchdowns there. Okay, so Hanks, going to roll with the Ducks. Pierce, what about you? Yeah, I think the one constant in this game is that Oregon can score on just about anybody um, as, as shown this season. Um, and Washington State really has trouble stopping folks. Um, you look at their uh, the scores that they've given up, you know, 24 points to Colorado State. Wisconsin, who can't score on anybody, they gave up 22 at home. Oregon State got 35 on them at home. UCLA put up 25, and they're definitely a defensive-led team. And Arizona put up 44 last week. They also, if you have that, um, you know, Washington State's also in a bounce-back spot type of mentality. They don't. This is their that was their second loss in a row. Um, and now they get arguably the best team in the conference in Oregon who is pissed off. Dan Landing is taking this personally. He said that he cost them the game last week. I'm sure it was it's it's been a tough, tough week of practice. Um, I think Oregon also, it, you know, maybe this is my hope more so than than what they will do, but they ought to come out and realize, hey guys, now we have no room for error. Now we have to go out there and and 
kick everybody's ass. And I think they do that. I, I think this Washington State team was a nice story the first few weeks. Clearly, um, and, and, and it's not like they played horrible teams in UCLA and Arizona, but the fashion in which they lost Arizona really scares me. Sure, Cam Ward could have a, a hero-type performance here and cover this spread, um, but I just don't see Oregon's defense is enough to, to bottle him up. I, I just don't see them being able to get to, to 24 points, let alone keep this uh, you know close. And I think Oregon's going to put up style points in this one. I, I think that they know. I mean, listen. If they go play Oregon and Wash, if they go play Washington State, obviously everything's there. But keep in mind, you know, depending on how things go in the other conferences, um, if there's some mayhem and say UCLA sneaks in and plays Washington, Oregon could sneak in as that at-large fourth spot, um, kind of like a la uh, uh, Alabama did back in 2017 um, and, and Georgia did two years ago. So, um, you know, I think they need to win with style points because they may not get that extra point, uh, extra game. And I think they do that here. So give me Oregon to cover the 19 and a half. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think Oregon here not only needs to win, they need to win big in this one. I think Dan Lanning uh, knows that. And he's the type he's Oregon has always had this identity, but I do think Dan Lanning has adopted this where, you know, Hey, there's something to be said about scoring and going ahead and putting, going for two points, uh, a two point conversion and putting up eight points right away and kind of putting teams back on their heels. Oregon's always been the style team. I think that continues here. I think they win. They win big. Bo Nix kind of sets it back. I mean, he was good versus Washington last week. Uh, this one's at home. It's going to be a fired up crowd and they've got everything to play for still. Um, probably my sneaky favorite matchup at the end of the season is going to be Oregon, Oregon State because I think this Oregon team. Uh, just is so good. Uh, so we'll see there. Uh, we're all rolling with the Ducks in this one, which means uh, you probably should pick Washington State to cover. All right, let's flip over to CBS. Another game at 3.30 Eastern time. It's the 17 Tennessee Volunteers in Tuscaloosa to take on the number 11 Alabama Crimson Tide. Revenge game. Revenge game for this one, obviously. Everybody was watching the third Saturday in October last year when Bama was handed its first loss against the Volunteers, it first one in 16 years or uh, 17 years. It was they lost or had won 16 straight. Tennessee had an absolute scene of the season, carried off the goalpost, threw it into the Tennessee River, uh, all of that. Uh, it was absolutely electric. Books were made, and then a season went down the drain. Uh, so they're going to be coming into a pissed off Alabama team. But an Alabama team that's not been playing lights out, uh, they have struggled, uh, I mean, not mightily. They're, they are sitting at 6-1, and one, but there are some questionable stat lines for them, uh, at least compared to how they have been over the last couple decades with Nick Saban. Um, they did have that early loss uh, when Texas came to town, but have been blemishless since then, even though it really was kind of scary last week. First Arkansas, Tennessee has one loss so far in the season as well. It was their lone true road trip. They did have a neutral site game to start the season versus Virginia, but their one time they won on the road was against Florida, and they lost that one 29-16 in the Swamp. Uh, Bama, though, has been struggling with top 25 matchups uh, and not necessarily been been getting them done in Bama fashion. They're favored at home by 8.5 points in this one. You could go a lot of different ways with this, and I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily blame you for taking any path, but we'll start with Hank. Who are you taking? You got revenge on your mind, or you think Tennessee continues the momentum and ends the dynasty forever? I, this one's tough. Like you said, it's it's it could 
I could see it going either way. I mean, yeah, Tennessee's um, lone true road game. Um, they did get handled by Florida, which proved to be kind of a not not the best loss there. They, Florida's been up and down. Um, Alabama's not as tough as the swamp, obviously, but I mean, it's it's has its moments. It's it's still a tough place to play, um, in my opinion. Not not like the swamp, but. This one's going to be weird compared to the last few years. It's it's going to be a low-scoring affair, I think, compared to what they had, you know, 50 to 40, whatever, eight that was last year. Um, it's – I mean, you can tell that by the over-under there um, at, in the 40s. But I'm going back and forth with this. I wanted to say Tennessee keeps it within a touchdown, but I'm also just – it's I can just see – Milrow doing just enough to get them over that maybe 10, 10 spread. Just they're, they're, they're deep or that eight and a half spread to 10 that their defense, Tennessee's defense is improved, but they're going to do the same stuff. It's going to be a low scoring affair. And now that I'm talking about it, I think I'm going Tennessee. <laughs> I was going Bama there. I was trying to talk myself through Bama, but I think I'm going to go with Tennessee to keep it within that touchdown. I just couldn't, couldn't, well, I was sitting here thinking about it. I, I just, I think Alabama wins for sure. I say for sure. I think Alabama wins, but I think Tennessee can keep it close. Just the way these teams match up, I think it'll be within. That How second. unbearable will your group chat be, though, if that happens? If they cover, if they, well, it, I mean, mid game if they're covering, if they win, would be the ultimate question. It'll be like, oh, we suck. Joe Milton sucks. Put Nico in, and then it'll be like. And then if they win, it'll be like, oh, my gosh, see, I told you. It'll be like half the people will say that they didn't say that Joe sucks. That's been the commentary. It's either you're, you're, you are riding with Milton or you uh, you want to see Nico. That's kind of been it. So I, I don't see well, that changing here. If you're riding with Joe Milton, I think you need to question your sanity. All right, so we got one person on Tennessee plus eight and a half. Pierce, what do you think? Man, last year was uh was so much fun. I mean, it was the game of the season, uh, in my opinion. And I don't I think majority of fans would say the same. Um, the scenes there were electric. It was a high scoring affair, which always makes things a little things a little bit more fun, especially if you're outside of the southeastern uh, demographic. Um, <laughs> it was also very interesting ha- ha- sitting through it uh, with a bunch of Bama fans. Um, there was a uh, a glaze over their face uh, the whole rest of the night, and it was. Very interesting to see because you don't see them like that and haven't seen them like that, you know, very many times in the last 15 years. Um, so we'll see how this weekend goes. It'll be electric no matter what from a viewing perspective here at my house. Um, I keep harping on one thing and I don't like doing the whole transitive property thing, but I'm going to break it down a little bit more than just the, the, the score of the game. The one common opponent that these two teams have had is Texas a Okay, I think both defenses for Alabama and Tennessee are are, are kind of similar from the standpoint that they both have some pretty decent uh, back end talent, but really what makes this defense these defenses go is their pass rush, their their D line. Um, Dallas Turner is one the name uh, of of a few on Alabama side. Um, Pierce the D end on Tennessee is another one to name. Um, he's having a fantastic season. What I keep thinking though is. Can you really expect Joe Milton to go in there when he hasn't shown it all year and put up points through the air? He couldn't do it against Texas A&M at home. The one thing that Alabama did do was on the road at Kyle Field, 
they threw through the air. Milrow connected with Jermaine Burton a number of times, and they had a lot of success despite A&M's good pass rush at getting guys open down the field and hitting on them. Jalen Milrow, um, you know, I think that's one of his his better attributes is downfield throwing. He's not a guy that's going to read defenses. He's not a guy that's going to go through his progressions and hit guys, you know, in stride, uh, you know, and crossing patterns all that often. He is just a backyard football player that let 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 it go. Just let it go. Get your one two read. Boom. Hit him. Go deep. Whatever it is. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> I think he's going to be able to do that a bit here. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as much as he did in the AM game, because I do think Tennessee has a better secondary than AM AM does. Um, therefore, they ought to be able to contain uh, Alabama's receivers just a little bit more. Um, but I just don't see a path for Tennessee to score in this one. Um, it would shock me to see Tennessee get over 14 points, to be quite honest with you. Um, I'm kind of eyeing a 28, 31 to 14 type of game for Alabama. So give me the Crimson Tide minus eight and a half. I'm going to be with you, Pierce. I'm going to be with you for less logical reasons and more just emotional ones. Um, I, too, watched this game, and it's imprinted in my brain. I watched it from an Alabama bar. Um, I have a friend who graduated from Alabama. She said, hey, I really want to watch the Tennessee game from the Alabama alumni you know, meetup bar that they all go to. And I said, great, let's do it. Uh, hand up, party foul on me. I invited my roommate who's a Tennessee fan. Probably wasn't smart of me, but you know what? I figured, what's the harm with the foul? She'll be she'll be kind. She'll be polite. Uh, I'll put it this way. She then received a um, de-invitation. She re- I rescinded my invitation to the Georgia game because of how she showed her butt. Uh, there was also some Tennessee fans that were I did not bring that showed up to this bar specifically because they knew it was an Alabama bar, specifically because they were feeling themselves and they showed their butts as well. Um, listen, you have every right to. When you get a monkey off your back after 16 years, you can go absolutely crazy. But the way you did it, you caused Bama to remember. You have a fan base that's freaking fired up. You have a team that feels disrespected and is fired up. You went into the swamp. Now, granted, the swamp is a tough place to play. But a, a Florida team that's really not all that good this year. And you had a bunch of self-inflicted wounds, and you couldn't handle the road environment. You're going to Tuscaloosa, which normally everybody says is like a library. I've never been, but I, I can understand why. Uh, Sanford Stadium feels like that. I don't think it's the loudest place ever to play. I'm not going to be one of those Georgia homers that says so. But it's going to be rocking. And you're going to have some liquored up people, and it's at 3.30, which is the perfect time for SEC fans. And I think that you're not going to be able to handle it. I think this is the game that Bama has been had circled on their calendar all year long. Um, I think that they're not good. Don't get me wrong. I think they could potentially lose to LSU and not make it to the SEC championship. But I don't think they lose this one. And I think they do it by more than eight and a half points. Um, I just don't believe in Joe Milton at all. Wouldn't be surprised if all of Tennessee is saying put Nico and put Nico in. It was interesting, this is an aside, but I heard a whole uh, podcast talking about why Josh Heupel will not do that um, because it kind of proves that he's not this developer because he wanted him to come to Mizzou with when he was at Mizzou. He wanted Joe Milton to come there. He, he gets him to Tennessee. He's like, I'm going to develop this guy, and it's not working. Uh, so overthrow Joe's going to be in full effect. I like this tied team to be fired up. I think they win by more than eight and a half. And like I said, I just don't think Tennessee's as good as last year. It took all-world talent last year. Uh, versus our whole world talent, but I just trust uh, who Bama has more and uh, more importantly, who their coach is. So give me the Crimson Tide minus eight and a half at home. All right, let's move it on to the night slate. Pierce, a game that you are going to be watching, I'm sure, very intently, especially with how high you are on the new 
quarterback for the TCU Horned Frogs. They're traveling to Manhattan to take on the Kansas State Wildcats. The game's at 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN2. Kansas State at home, favored by 6.5 points. They very much are still in play for the Big 12 championship. They're only at 2-1 and one so far on the conference. Um, they have uh, two losses so far in the season at Mizzou, at Oklahoma State, but this one is at home. Um, and they did just take down Texas Tech at Texas Tech, which is a tough place to play, Lubbock is. TCU got bounced back uh, with a home win last week uh, versus BYU, 44-11. to The end result there. I'm going to switch it up here. Let's start with Pierce on this one because I know he wants to – he's probably got some analysis on it. I uh, haven't been able to pick a lot of TCU games so far this season because, no offense, TCU's not that good this season, but maybe, 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 maybe they found their guy. Uh, Pierce, why do you like TCU Horn Frogs, or why should we fade them? I like them quite quite a lot, actually. Um, <clears throat> but you'll also know that every time I've picked against TCU, they've won. So I ain't switching it up here. Uh, I am going Kansas State minus six and a half. Listen, I do have some things on this game. I know, I know TCU is going to want to have some revenge here uh, after the Big 12 loss. Um, oh, so close on the goal line against Kansas State um, to miss out on that conference championship last year. This certainly isn't the state the same Kansas State team. They're, they don't have Deuce Vaughn. They lost a, a, a litany of good defenders, especially in the DB area. Um, <clears throat> but this is still Kansas State at home. When you look at their two losses, um, they went on the road at Missouri, and I think we've all seen that Missouri is a better program than maybe a lot of people had uh, coming into the season. Um, their other loss was kind of a fluke. I don't know if y'all watched. It was a Friday night, I believe, or Thursday night, Friday night game. Um, and, and and I think Oklahoma State has shown over the last couple weeks that they might not be the bottom dwellers like we thought they were going to, that they were when they started the season. Um, they've started to pick it up a little bit, and uh, that was a tough environment. <clears throat> Having been uh, to Stillwater a couple times. That's a, that's a really unique environment there. It was a night game. It was a blackout. So, you know, kind of the perfect storm against Kansas state. Now, Kansas state is at home, uh, Manhattan, the little apple, um, which is not an easy place to go play. Um, they're going to be up and fired up and, and going for this one. It's a night game. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, listen, I want to say that, that Hoover is, this all world quarterback after last week's performance. And certainly there are, there's a lot of positives to take from it. And defensively, they played really well, Um, you know, starting the game with the pick six. Now he goes on the road. Now he's out of the friendly confines of Amon G Carter stadium. This is going to be a tough, tough ask for the freshman. Um, If he does it, by God, I am going to be insufferable because we might have the next dude that that's going to lead us to a Big 12 championship in the next year or two. Um, and who knows? Maybe a return trip back to the big dance. But first true road environment, a night game, uh, a Kansas State team who I think some people are kind of looking at it going, oh, man, you know, we knew they might be a little bit down from last year. They've got two losses. That's worse than we thought. I, I beg to differ. I still think this is a solid team, and, and I think they get this done um, minus six and a half. All right. So Pierce is on Kansas State. Hank, what about you? I'm going to go opposite. I'm going TCU minus six and a half, or plus six and a half, I guess it is, isn't it? Um, I I think every time I – for the exact opposite reason, every time I picked against – or picked TCU – i.e. last week, they get destroyed. So I'm uh that's my analysis is every time I bet on them, um 
Right, every time I bet, a, yeah, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm going TCU minus or plus the six and a half. I think last week they're these both these teams are kind of uh, coming off good wins, and I think uh, they're going to be rolling. I think TCU, hopefully, you know, is fired up enough to keep this one close. I mean, I know Kansas State's kind of got a little more to play for, like you alluded to, Madison, but I, I'm going to go TCU just kind of to be different here on this one, um, as they've kind of burned me a couple times. So hopefully I can get one back. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, TCU as well. Their three losses so far in the season have not been blowouts. Uh, the worst loss being Iowa State 27-14. to 14. Um, So I think that they are uh, – it is on the road. I do think they potentially lose this. Uh, I do think Kansas State has more to play for. But I, I think that this is a, a weird line. Uh, Pierce likes to say it stinks out loud. I'm going to go TCU in this one. Um, they've got a tough back half of the schedule, so – they're going to need to see uh, some some of this kind of get fortified from their offense uh, to, and they've been putting up pretty good numbers for what it's worth. But they're going to need to make sure that this quarterback is good to go, as they still have Texas and Oklahoma on their schedule. Um, so I like TCU to keep this one closer than the six and a half, but I do think ultimately they lose, and I think Kansas State takes this one. Um, all right, let's keep it at seven o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. The Hugh Freeze Bowl, the number 13 Ole Miss Rebels in Auburn to take on the Tigers. Um, uh, Ole Miss sitting at 5-1 and one so far on the season. Their lone loss, of course, being in Tuscaloosa. They haven't traveled a ton, and when they had to go to Tulane, that was a closer game than I think people expected. Auburn, on the other hand, three straight losses on their season so far uh, at Texas A&M versus Georgia and then at LSU. Uh, so... A little bit of a reeling Auburn Tigers after they started the season 3-0, and uh, taking on the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss favored in this one by 6.5. So Auburn at home going to be getting 6.5 points, looking for their first conference win in the Hugh Freeze era. era, era. This, could, this could be an interesting, sneaky, interesting game. Uh, we'll start with Hank again this time. Who you got? I'm going to go with Ole Miss minus the 6.5. Hesitant a little bit just because you know weird things happen in in Jordan Hare, um, but I think while Miss kind of hasn't proven to me that they were as good as I maybe thought at the beginning of the year, their lone loss was Alabama um, at in Tuscaloosa. They've had a couple really good wins, um, and you know. Last week they had they were close they kept it, or Arkansas kept it closer than I was expecting, but they still pulled it out. I think here they'll they'll get this done by 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 seven points. Um, it may be a little shaky in, in my opinion. I can see maybe Auburn coming out to a hot start, but kind of like the uh, maybe a little bit like the Georgia game that they're gonna. I think Ole Miss will come back and just they'll they'll burn them and offensively and and and. Uh, Auburn's offense will not be able to keep up. So give me Ole Miss minus six. rolling with another favorite. All right, Pierce, who you got? I'm on the opposite side here, and uh, there's a very realistic chance that I sprinkle some money line on this one. Um, I think Auburn walks away with the victory here, guys. I, I, you know, listen, maybe, maybe Lane Kiffin gets his head out of his butt and and actually goes in and just tries to throw the ball over the yard. Um, Certainly, Quinshawn Judkins has seemed to get things rolling, um, and offensively, they look pretty damn good, and, and I'll give them that. This is a night game at Auburn, and I know Auburn isn't world beaters. They're coming off a big, tough loss to LSU that was on the road. 
But the one thing about this season is Hugh Freeze being his first year has injected a lot of optimism into this program. This is their chance, just like the Georgia game where they showed out. And that was once again, one of the best environments in college football. Um, and they proved that this will be another one of those instances. And I don't see it going as smoothly. You saw when Ole Miss went on the road to Tulane. Yeah, they pulled out that victory. It was against a backup QB. Um, and, and, and there were some times where they didn't look all that great. They go to Alabama on the road, looked awful, looked awful. Um, and Ole Miss isn't world beaters on the defensive side of the ball. I, I don't think it's going to take a whole heck of a lot for Auburn to score some points here. Um, I know they're not great, but you saw at home they're going to they're going to throw in some wrinkles here. Don't be surprised to see a, a trick player too, um, especially maybe a fake punt, something along those lines to try to squeak them over the edge. Uh, and, and and what I think I'm most impressed by is. Um, and obviously going on the road uh, against a team like LSU is putting up ridiculous numbers and Jaden Daniels ought to get more recognition for the Heisman than he is. Um, their DBs actually impressed me in the George game. Um, they played really hard in the first. They don't have the depth um, and they can't quite get to the quarterback as much as they would like as quickly as they'd like. But I think this is an underrated Auburn off, uh, defense and I, I think they're going to cause some problems with that crowd noise for Ole Miss. Um, cause a few turnovers. I like Auburn to squeak out a victory here. So I'll take them plus a six and a half um, to shock the Rebs. I'm torn on this one, guys. I think Ole Miss is a better team. Um, I like Jackson Dart better than the Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, whatever's going on in Auburn. Um, but Auburn's been keeping things closer. Uh, they, of course, you know, on the road, Texas A&M and LSU looked like every bit of a year one coach team. Uh, but Georgia had come to town, and don't – Hear me loud and clear. I understand Georgia's maybe not – they are not covering games. so, But they kept that one a lot closer at home on the Plains. Um, something feels to me like this could be a fluky Auburn matchup. Things just happen there in Jordan-Hare. I, I don't know why it's a scary, such a scary place to play. It's a good crowd. It's a good environment. Um, but it's just like – there's like a demon that lives on that field for a road team. So – um, this one scares the crap out of me, but I'm going to go with what I know in this one, and I am going to roll with Ole Miss. Um, it's one of those that I don't like because I don't trust Lane Kiffin in situations like this. I just don't. But I'm going to roll with Ole Miss in this one. I just feel like there's they're a better team. They're a better team. They've got a better quarterback. Um, and I think Lane Kiffin is not going to be afraid to to air it out and absolutely uh, prey on the vulnerabilities of this Auburn team. So I am going to take Ole Miss – Minus the points, but I'm not. Yeah, y'all are just some simps for the sip. I don't feel good about it. It's Juice Kiffin. It's not the sip. It's Juice Kiffin. He's the cutest dog ever. All right, uh, let's flip it over to NBC, seven thirty Eastern time. The number two Michigan Wolverines rivalry game as they're in East Lansing to take on the Michigan State Spartans. This one, I believe, there's two tunnels, so hopefully there's not a skirmish like there was last year that absolutely takes the college football world by storm. Michigan State, of course no longer has their head coach Mel Tucker at the helm. Uh, so that can go a multitude of ways. Sometimes our own coaches can shock people. And uh, most of the time though, it's, it's not the best. Michigan hasn't really played anybody. So that's kind of the argument there. If you are on Michigan state uh, and Michigan on the road favored by 24, this game is not one that normally I would have or 24 and a half. I should say this one's not normally one that I would make us pick because it's, I think it's going to be a Michigan win. But I am interested because it's a rivalry game. Anything can happen in rivalry games. These two teams hate each other. It's more of a rivalry for Michigan State than it is for Michigan. 
But I just wanted to hear you guys. 24 and a half points. It is somewhat of a pretty big road test for Michigan because of the fact that it's rivalry and you have uh, two teams that absolutely hate each other. Anything can happen when you have that combination. So let's start with Hank. Who you got in this one? 24 and a half points. They got to cover it or uh, the first time that they have a little bit of a scare? I'm going with Michigan. I'm not, I'm not going to overthink it. it. Michigan state's a train wreck. Um, Michigan wasn't covering these big spreads that they had earlier in the year, but I mean, those were 36 and up. Um, they've, they've covered the last three spreads um, and, and they look pretty solid doing it. Even, even come out to some shaky starts, they still, um, you know, got it done and, and, and they come out firing in the second half. They're going to, they're going to be, they're going to be fired up. Um, I don't see Michigan state. They even, even in this rivalry game, they seem so def- deflated at this point. I, I don't see them um, them getting up like they normally would for this game and, and keeping it close. So I think I think Michigan easily covers this twenty four and a half in uh, in in this rivalry game. Come out easily covers. All right, Pierce, what do you got? Yeah, I agree with Hank. Don't overthink this one. Um, although I will say, just for the sake of uh, providing some commentary. <clears throat> Some interesting stuff has come out today, which always could play into the psyche of one side or the other. Um, obviously, you saw that uh, the NCAA is publicly investigating Michigan for sign stealing, um, whatever that exactly means. Um, <clears throat> so how much uh, of the of that is taking up the minds of these Michigan players and coaches, if at all? Maybe it's a rallying cry for them. Hell, then it was then it came out earlier to, or later today. That Michigan State had threatened to cancel this game due to the Simon stealing, so pretty ridiculous stuff going on from from each from both sides here. Obviously, uh, Michigan State is uh, is in a really bad spot right now. Um, I, I question if they've quit. I mean, when you've lost four straight, your coach got fired for crazy um, for, for some some ridiculous not and not in like a not denying it or anything, but just some crazy allegations. Um, you know, where are these guys at? They're losing recruits left and right. Um, I did see something that might've been a total, total joke, but I did see something where under the uh, cover of night, urban Meyer has been on campus in East Lansing interviewing secretly for the Michigan state job, potentially. Um, I don't know how true that is, but I did see from some credible sources that that was potentially the case, um, or the rumors were so interesting there. I, I just question, obviously Michigan state's going to want to get up for this game, but they don't have the guys to do it. Uh, Michigan, I think is going to be out to prove something. Uh, they're playing pissed off now. Um, you know, the one area of Michigan that I'm not a big fan of, I'm not a big JJ McCarthy fan. So could this be one of those games where he has two or three picks and it, it costs them this cover? Sure. Um, but I, and it's on the road, but I just don't see, I think this program is ready for a reset. They're over this season already. I think the players probably uh, are getting ready to transfer out of there. Um, so it's just not good in East Lansing. I can't back a team that is in such disarray. So give me the Wolverines, minus 24 and a half. All right. So you guys are rolling with Michigan in this one. God, I want to take Michigan State so bad because of that. Um, you guys are right. There's just, there's no reason to overthink this one. Michigan State is a joke of a program, um, absolutely reeling. I think that them not wanting to play this game because of sign stealing is probably more because of the fact that they don't want to get embarrassed and and want to call attention to Michigan and this sign stealing situation, whatever that might come out to be. Um, I do find it very interesting that Michigan's not playing much of anybody, and that scares me for them as they have some pretty big tests coming up. Um, 
they were struggling to cover a little bit at the beginning of the season, but they've been doing very well since then. Michigan State's cover has lost four straight. We're going to make it a fifth straight, but screw it. You know what? They're going to cover this point spread. It's at home. It's a fired up crowd. Um, and, and I just think that in a rivalry, anything can happen. So a fluky thing or two happens and Michigan State covers this one. They're going to still lose. They're going to still lose by a lot, but 24 and a half. It, it, I see that number and it just screams at me. Take, take, or I'm sorry, uh, I don't even know. Is it take the points or lay the points? As a as a novice better, Pierce, is it take or lay? Lay. I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to lay the points. Give no. me. You're taking you're taking the points if you if you're taking Michigan no, I'm, State. Yeah. yeah, I'm taking the points. Oh, I yes, thought you were going Michigan after points. that diatribe. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Hank's right. I, I thought you were taking Michigan. So that would have been lay. Sorry. I'm taking. I, I had written down Michigan already for you. No, you then you weren't listening to me. <laughs> I'm taking the points here. Give me Spartans. All right. Staying at 730 Eastern time on ABC. This one's lost a little bit of its luster because of the fact that Riley Leonard's probably not playing. We don't know that for a fact, but I would argue that he probably is not or reckon he's probably not. The number 16 Duke Blue Devils in Tallahassee to take on the undefeated number four Florida State Seminoles. Florida State at home, favored by 13 and a half. That line's already moved to 14 and a half for what it's worth, which leads me to believe that Vegas knows this guy's not playing. Uh, Riley Leonard, that is. Which is a bummer, because I think if he was playing, I think this is a really fun game. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, as a result. Um, Duke has that one loss on the season versus Notre Dame. Uh, you know, hey, it was a fun story for a while, but you got handed that one loss, but you still have a lot to play for here. And you've got a Florida State team who's kind of looked a little bit susceptible at times um, or short, certainly has a little bit of that sleepwalking factor at times. Uh, Jordan Travis also is dealing with a little bit of injuries. He hasn't looked 100% in a while, um, but Florida State's been winning the games and winning pretty handily. But like I said, 14 and a half or 13 and a half, I should say, it comes down to whether or not you think that they're going to cover that. Um, Hank, we'll start with you. Who you got? I'm going to go FSU mainly because the the Leonard factor. Although I will say Duke's defense has kind of been their shining uh, part of their team. That I mean, giving up only twenty plus points to one team, and that was Notre Dame uh, two weeks ago or a few weeks ago, whenever that was. But so. I mean, I can see them keeping this close. It's at some point, at some points in the game, maybe it's maybe first half they're keeping it close um, defensively, um, and like you said, maybe FSU comes out a little bit sleepy. But at the same time, I, I can I don't think I don't think I see Duke coming in offensively, and uh, I don't know who their backup is. Um, I don't remember his name, but um, they I think FSU where we're picking it at under that two touchdown, um, getting that hook at 13 and a half. I th- I'm going to go with FSU um, simply just because they're, they're better team in my opinion. And, um, and uh, being at home, I think, I think that they're, they're covering this. All right. Way. So Hank has FSU. He's going to lay the points. Pierce, what about you? Yeah. I wish I had gotten this 13 and a half uh, earlier in the week uh, on my official card. Um, and, and by that, I mean, I had actually bet it at the window. Um, you know, this Duke team is very scrappy. Um, defensively, they play pretty good ball. Mike Elko coaches them up very well. 
Um, <clears throat> but Riley Leonard, you hit the nail on the head, massive. Riley Leonard was playing this game. A, I think FSU should be a little bit worried, and B, I, th- I think we were in for a very sneaky, fun game without Riley Leonard, and I don't think he's going to be playing. Um, I think, like you said, Madison, Vegas knows something that we don't, um, and they tend to be on the right side of those things. Uh, I just can't see Duke scoring enough points to, 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 to keep up with FSU. I think there's one crucial thing um, from the offensive side of the ball uh, for FSU that that is going to get them this cover. Duke, uh, as good as they are defensively, has some issues covering tight ends. Um, and, and you've seen that recently. Um, and, and FSU has a very Swiss Army knife type of t- tight end in Jaheim Bell, the transfer from South, transfer from South Carolina. He can line up all over the field, kind of like a, a Jonu Smith type, Travis Kelsey type, not as big as Travis Kelsey, but one of those guys that can really do it all. He played running back at times for South Carolina last year. He can stretch it out wide. He can go on the line. He can go in the slot. Um, and, and I think you'll see a very good game plan from uh, Norvell and company to get Jaheim Bell the ball here. Obviously, their receivers are going to be able to get open as well. I think that I think I did read today that Johnny Wilson is is in line to potentially play in this one after being dinged up. Um, and they've got Cam Coleman on the outside. I mean, Coleman or Keon Coleman, excuse me. He uh, obviously is is a playmaker as good as a playmaker as you'll see in, in college football today. Um, so I just think too many weapons. Um, for Duke to keep contain them long enough in this one. And I just don't think Duke at night, Doke Campbell. I, I think you're going to see this Jared verse and company on this defensive side of the ball for FSU get after uh, Duke early and often. Um, I, I see a pretty comfortable uh, Florida state cover in this one minus 13 and a half. And if that's a, if you can find that under 14, 14 is okay too. But if you can find that under 14, I would highly recommend taking it. All right. Well, there you go. Two on FSU. Let's make it a perfect third. Uh, Like I said, I wish that Riley Leonard was in this one, um, but he's not. Uh, FSU has never been defeated by Duke. They've played 21 times. Duke has yet to beat the Seminoles. And the Seminoles have the third longest win streak in the country behind Georgia and Washington. They're going to keep adding to that. And I think they do it pretty pretty easily at home. Yes, like I said, to set it all up. They have been known to sometimes go to sleep. Um, I was watching this one with um, our uncle at uh, a Georgia tailgate as Virginia Tech was kind of scoring some on FSU. And I was like, what is happening? This game should be over. And he was like, they have a tendency to kind of get up and then kind of just chill. And uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully they keep it rolling. I do think this Duke team uh, is is a great story. And Mike Elko has a great squad going there. But they're not going to be able to go into FSU and uh, and cover that 13 and a half. Uh, like you said, Pierce, if you could have gotten this one at 13 and a half, uh, you were, you were riding high. That's how it opened. It's already moving. So, uh, probably not the best once it starts getting up to that, like 14 and a half, 15 point range, but 13 and a half would have been too good to be true, uh, to start the week off. All right. At eight o'clock Eastern time on Fox, the number 14 Utah Utes without Cam rising in LA to take on the number 18 USC Trojans, uh, USC off of their loss to uh, Notre Dame at Notre Dame, back at home. They are favored by six and a half points. Like I said, no Cam Rising this one. I don't think we're going to get to see him play at all this season, which is a bummer because he was going to be a fun fun player to watch. Uh, Utah has had USC's number last year. Of course, they beat them twice, once in the regular season and then once in the Pac-12 championship to keep USC from going to the playoffs. Um Utah has one loss on the season as well. It was at Oregon State. So uh, seven and a half or six and a half points for USC. Like I said, at home off that loss, 
Uh, kind of just like with the Oregon thing, this is a situation where you come back and you cover or you potentially are reeling and, and trying to find your identity now that you've got that loss. So uh, we know that USC's defense has been bad, but it kept them in the game. Uh, not kept them in the game, but it was a shining moment um, for them versus Notre Dame. They just couldn't outscore the, the Irish. So we'll see if their offense is back up and running. Hank, who you got in this one? I'm taking USC. Um, the fact that they are well, – I wrote down the wrong line. But the, the fact that it's under a touchdown is kind of interesting to me. I, I mean, this is a – this is a spot. It's kind of a bad matchup for Utah. They're on their third string quarterback. Uh, this is like a double revenge game for um, for USC losing to him twice last year. Um, and then the fact, I mean, yeah, they want to play probably Cam Rising and get the best Utah that they they can get and beat them that way. But that's not going to take away from their um, their want to beat up on this team. Who um, you know. Gave them their two losses last year, um, and and so with with it being in um, at US, USC, those factors coming into play, getting that under a touchdown, you just got to ride with uh, Caleb Williams and and the reigning Heisman MVP in that team. Um, even even with their defensive woes, I think. All right, so one on USC, Pierce. What about you? Give me USC as well. I think this might be another one of those where we have the trifecta for USC. Um, <clears throat> listen, Utah's been a thorn in the side for USC for, for many years now. I think I just challenged Madison to find a way to take Utah if she wasn't already. Uh, <laughs> I can see it on her face. <laughs> um, listen, you know, Utah's been kind of the bane of uh, or, or a thorn in the side of USC the last uh, you know handful of years. Um, but, but one of the more consistent things is that's either in a Pac-12 championship or at home. Um, I think one consistent thing I've seen out of Utah is when they're at home, they can use the environment and their their great defense to keep the score low. Um, even with Caleb Williams going in there, if they were playing this on the road uh, at Utah, Utah could find a way to keep this lower scoring and potentially stay in this game. The one thing that they've really struggled to do is go on the road with these backup quarterbacks, as Hank hinted at, and and really produce much of anything. Um, I don't see, even with a porous USC defense, I don't see Utah getting over 20, 21 points. Um, And that's at the best case scenario. I think USC's, uh, listen, I I say this a lot, or I feel like I believe this a lot um, with a lot of coaches. Maybe USC will prove me wrong here, but I think uh, Lincoln Riley is going to be on their butts all week and has been um and they know they have no room for air now to make the college football playoffs yes they're not out of it in the pac-12 because they haven't technically lost in the pac-12 but they're going to want to make a statement here and i think it's no holds bar on the offensive side of the football and they put up a lot of points even on a good utah team um and i just don't see utah scoring all that much they're just not a very good offensive team so uh give me usc this is hey listen now get usc at this small of a number because you ain't going to get it again this year uh you didn't have to challenge me I was already going to go Utah. Um, USC's defense is abhorrent. They're horrible. Um, you don't even have to be a competent offense to score on this team. Uh, I do think Caleb Williams bounces back, but he's had to be pretty much perfect. He's had to be great for them to win these games. And even then, they've been in shootout style. Um, I just don't think that they're going to stop Utah, uh, who's got a pretty good defense for what it's worth. 
I don't think Caleb Williams gets exposed again. I think he bounced, quote unquote, bounces back, even though he just lost his Heisman campaign. Um, but I think Utah's had USC's number. There's something to be said about that. And like I said, you can just score on this defense. So I'm going to take Utah plus the points. I think USC wins, but all of their wins, all of them have been super close. Minus maybe Arizona State and Stanford, but those teams are horrible. So I'm going to take Utah this one plus the six and a half. That's easy. Easy money, boys. Easy, easy. Um, All right, last but not least, another game that unfortunately has lost a bit of its luster because these two teams are not living up to their billing. It's the Clemson Tigers and the Miami Hurricanes on the ACC Network at 8 p.m. Eastern time in Miami Gardens, Florida. Clemson is favored in this one by three points. So at home, Miami picking up three. And with that home field advantage, because all those Miami fans definitely always show up and show out for their Canes, uh, especially when they're not undefeated. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens in this one. Uh, Clemson, interesting things that happened last week, boys, uh, with the, with Dabo basically coming out and saying, we don't want you to be a fan of us. Like, was like good? I hope we – I'm paraphrasing. But essentially was like, if we lose, let's lose these bandwagoning fans. Let's – I don't understand that. Whatever. He's a weird, weird guy. Um, but you also have a coach on the other side of things, Mario Cristobal, who's not living up to his billing of what Miami thought they were getting. Um, Miami looking for their first win in conference so far this season. Two straight losses for them with uh, a loss versus Georgia Tech, which was shocking to me. And then they uh, lost at UNC last weekend. So uh, Clemson, last bit of storyline for you. Clemson coming off a bye last week. So we'll start with Hank. Who you got in this one? Pretty even matchup in my eyes. Pretty even. Yeah, I'm going to go Clemson even away from home. I mean, like like you said, it's Miami. There's It's not like a, uh, some tough environment they're going into. Clemson's defense uh, continues to do what they do. They're pretty. They're going to be good um, year in and year out. They stay pretty solid. Um, and I, I, I see them. You know, they coming off the bye. They're going to be more healthy. I, I believe I saw a couple of their wide receivers are coming back, so that helps there offensively. Um, Miami coming off those back to back losses. It's almost seemed like I, I didn't watch every play of the game last week, and they. I mean, they they put up thirty one, but. Um, you know, since that Georgia Tech debacle, it's it just seems like it's going to be a hard one to come back from, um, and it's tough coming in to or coming into this game with Clemson off a of bye. Um, you know, I think, like I said, I think Clemson's defense gets after Van Dyke, um, and they're going to be in good good field position there to to kind of just utilize what they do have at offense. Um, for the Tigers to, you know, get into the end zone enough to put up maybe, you know, 20, 28 points here even. Um, and I think this is a, in the 20s, um, but I think that this one squeaks out. Um, I think that I say squeaks out. I mean, it's, I really think that they get they handle Miami. Um, it may not show on the scoreboard necessarily, but I think I think this is going to be one that's not, not in question um, for most of the game. So give me Clemson minus. Hank is going with the road. Favorite, what about you, Pierce? When you continue to take a team and they continue to burn you at every turn, why the hell not go back on them, baby? Give me the Hurricanes plus the three. I know I'm like a I'm like a drug addict going back to hit his to get his his lick. I I, I can't get enough of Miami. Listen, this Clemson team, I can't I can't get over a couple things in this one. First of all, 
Where are Clemson's weapons that scare me? The one thing Miami does well is defend the pass. Defensively, they've got some good DBs, uh, not just on at, at cornerback, but also at the safety position. There isn't a guy on Clemson that scares me from the wide receiver spot. The only guy that they really have that's, you know, maybe scares me a little bit, and I think he's overrated, is Will Shipley. Cade Klubnick is very average. Ruben Bain, defender, a true freshman for Miami, is going to get after Cade Klubnick. I think they forced a couple of turnovers here. Um, listen, I do worry about Miami. Can they score? They've been able to score in a lot of these games. Um, so that does give me reason for optimism. My one hope is, is can this Miami team scheme up plays for Trevor Van Dyke? Because is it Trevor or Tyler? Tyler. Man, I just I second guess the hell out of myself. Tyler Van Dyke, TVD. The guy, when he knows where he's going, is very good. When he's got to create or or go through his options and doesn't not necessarily know where he's going at first, he really struggles. I mean, he is a bad quarterback when it comes to that. But if he knows where he's going, he gets to his drop back and he hits his first one or two is open, the guy can throw the football. I, I think Miami finally get off gets off the schneid. They get their first ACC uh, win at home because um, I just don't think Clemson has the offensive studs in order to to take advantage of this Miami defense. That's that's really what it comes down to for me. And I do think Miami can score. I mean, even in their losses, they put up 31 at North Carolina. They should have beaten Georgia Tech. That guy, the running back was down, albeit it was a bad performance by them. Um, you know, even against AM, who has a pretty darn good defense that you've seen, you know, Alabama could only put up what 27. Tennessee only put up 20 at home, and one of those was a punt return. Um, they put up they put up 48 against Texas A&M. So they, they're going to be able to score some points. I think this is a 31-27, maybe 28-24 type of game. I think Miami pulls out the upset. Pierce is rolling with the Hurricanes. You are an idiot. Um, yeah, I'm going Clemson as well. Uh, with this win, Dabba will be the winningest coach in Clemson history. Uh, I don't trust this Clemson team too much. Uh, but I trust them more than Miami. They're coming off that bye, like I said. Uh, I just, I don't know. You go with the team that's that's more proven. And even though Clemson's having a down couple of years, they're more proven than Miami. Uh, this Miami team just cannot win big games. And like I said, at home, there's no semblance of a home field advantage at all. Uh, they're getting that plus three simply because it's the home field, quote unquote, advantage. It doesn't matter. Um I'm going with I'm going with Clemson. Another tidbit for you. Miami is 0-5 in ACC home games since the start of 2022 season. This is not the one where they get that win. Give me the Tigers. All right. Any other thoughts before we let the people go? I just realized I picked every favorite. Um, no, so no, Penn State's an there. underdog. And as, okay, and as is Tennessee point. and TCU. Right. So, you're yeah, you've got some. You got, but you got a lot of things. You got a lot. Oh, okay, of yeah, we're good. We're, we're good. good. We're good. Okay, we're Listen, good. Listen, they're got favorites for a reason. I'll just put it that way. Anything from you, Pierce? No, I'm. Uh, I'm good. I, I think I, I was looking. I you know, speak of favorites, man. I um I had to look through mine to make sure I wasn't taking too many favorites. I was looking at the pick'em that we did this week and. By God, it seemed like every home home favorite I was just I was rolling with. So yeah. um, interesting week here. I'm excited to get into it. Um, I think it's also you know I don't know what y'all's take on this is, and I don't mean to to go off on a tangent here. I know Madison probably wants to get this done as she's giving me the side eye, but 
What's your take on eleven o'clock kickoffs being the best game of the week? Oh, like Central Time? I yeah. um, well, no, well, twelve oh, yeah. o'clock that, that early 12, 12 Eastern time for us. I will say this: I have two football seasons now under my belt, um, rounding onto a third. No, yeah, this is my third one. I don't actually know. I don't know how long I've lived in um, Atlanta. Time is a is a void. Um, it's a little bit different at noon. I'm not going to lie. It kind of gives you more time to kind of do stuff. So it feels a little bit more fun um, rather than 11. 11 is tough. Um, but I hate it. I, I hate it. To me, growing up, obviously, SEC fans, the 3.30 CBS always felt like the biggest game of the week. So that 3.30 slot feels like, you know, you've done your – you've had your morning, but you're not quite having to stay up late. But from a overall standpoint, the primetime spot. If you are a seven o'clock game, particularly because you know if you've got, um, if you've got, uh, oh my God, Fowler and uh, Herb Street, couldn't think of their names for a second on your call, you just knew that there was something special. So in my eyes, I want to be now. If I'm attending the game, this changes, but just to watch a game, I want to be the late kick. But that three thirty kick is something special for me. So, uh, but but if I'm new, yeah. See, I I think I think if I'm gonna be at the game, that night game is just. It's, it's different. It, it's so it's so different. You got a full day. You can watch the games at the tailgate, and then you and then you're just building up the whole day. You're just getting more and more hype. So, but I, I like in my age that I'm at right now. When I'm in my life, I love having you know the dogs play at in that three thirty slate, just so I can kind of. I don't. I I like having my prime day Saturday is having. A couple good games, but nothing like too crazy in the noon slate. You know, something like a, I don't know. I mean, something that's going to at least get the juices flowing, but nothing, you know, that, I mean, I don't mind having a big game that at, at that point, maybe not my team. Um, and then having my team play at 3.30 if I'm watching them on TV and then having, you know, some great games to kind of have on the background on Saturday where I'm, I'm looking at the TV all night, maybe not sitting down completely, watching every play of every game at the 7.30 spot, um, but or the 7, 6, 7 spot, whatever you want to call it. Um, but then but having that on just to kind of like, you know, while we're having a couple beers or something, you know, have that to, to watch while you're doing your Saturday night things. That's my ideal. Yeah, but so yeah, like I said, just to add a little bit, obviously, y'all are totally right. The, it depends on if your team, what what time your team's playing. Thankfully, the SEC, a big game is never going to be at that that first window. Um, <clears throat> I would much prefer the six. I'd prefer the better games to be mid-afternoon or evening for sure. But selfishly, if you're kind of looking at it from a gambling brain perspective and it's not your team, there's nothing better. There's nothing worse than that early window being just a bunch of blah, dreary games. So selfishly, I will say that it's fun and exciting to have this game at 11, but also this game would hit different at 6 o'clock at night. Um, it just would. So uh, I know that's been brought up a good bit. I, I Being a Big 12 fan, they've got that big Fox Noon or whatever, and uh, Big 12 gets lumped in there quite often. So it's it's tough. It's tough because that because a lot oftentimes that becomes the big game of the week. So, um, but yeah, we're we're gonna kick off with a bang this week, and uh, I think some of those later games too. Don't be surprised if there's an upset or two. Um, I think I'm most excited to see that Auburn game. I, I I'm, I'm telling y'all, I think Auburn. Uh, that's maybe one of my sneaky plays of the week. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that you know 
it's going to feel a little bit weird when at the back half of next or to Saturday, forgetting what day it is, when the back half of Saturday we're, we're done already pretty much. So um, there's still a lot of good football to be played. It's week eight, so don't take anything for granted. All right, that's going to do it for our week eight preview. We will have our easy peasies. We fumbled the bag on that last week, but we'll have our easy peasies for you both on social media. Make sure you're following us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram and here in this audio feed. So make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss that. But until then, I'm Madison. I'm Hank. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.